a listener production. <clears throat> Take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Just the Gist, a weekly podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a topic we think you'll find interesting enough to bring up and discuss at a dinner party. Hello, Rosie. Hello, Jacob. How are you, my love? Very well, thank you. Welcome home to Adelaide. Well, thank you. I'm. Ha, didn't you notice I'm practicing my sexy voice? Hello, Jacob. How are oh. you, my love? <laughs> Ooh. That's not what I Tingles. normally sound like. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm back in Adelaide, and it was nice though to uh, record together last week. But mm. here we are over Zoom once again. Yes, and your hair's much less frizzy, which I'm sure you're it thrilled is, about. It is. I know. I am. And your tan is much less of an assault on the eyes over Zoom than in person. <laughs> I think it's because I've assault, got the ring light and it washes me out a little more. Assault was the wrong word. I, I mean, a, <laughs> I'd, 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 I've dug myself into something here. <laughs> Walk it back. Walk it back. What about that photo we put up of me, you, Dino and Felix of us together in the studio and literally every single comment was just Jacob's tan, Jacob's tan, look at Jacob's tan. I can't believe Jacob's tan, Jacob's tan, Jacob's tan, Jacob's tan. It's a glorious tan. Yes, and I have very little control over it. It is a blessing and a curse because, yes, it does certainly, it draws comments. It's attention grabbing. I think people are just jealous. We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. If you listen to the end of Breaking News, you're going to hear that I forgot to sing this song and we're shoving it back in now. So here is... Breaking news, breaking news. I got the scoop. I see extra, extra. Read all about it. Breaking news. It's coming Coming down down the wire. (laughs) I can't believe I forgot. (laughs) Anyway, there it is. Okay, here's what we have to talk about before we talk about anything. Everyone's going crazy, messaging us, and it is really weird and crazy. Melissa Caddick. Oh, yeah. Mm. So. It's dark. (laughs) It is dark. It's really dark. For those of you um, not in Australia, because, you know, no bigs, but we've kind of got international listeners now. (laughs) For those of you not in Australia, we had a woman who is kind of like our version of Bernie Sanders. She was a financial advisor. Madoff. Bernie Madoff. Did I just say Bernie Sanders? You did, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Very different from Bernie Sanders. Kind of like our version of Bernie Madoff. Mm. She is a financial advisor. She took people's money to tell them and told them she was investing it to make them more money, but really she just kept all the money and spent it. She got caught, like, how long ago was it? A few months ago now. Her house mm. got raided at, like, you know, early in the morning by um, the federal police and our, like, financial police people. And, you know, they basically had been looking into her for a while and found that she had misappropriated like something like more than $20 million of people's money Mm. that she was meant to be investing was just kind of gone. The next day they came and they took all her computers and everything and they were like, we're looking into you, but she didn't get arrested. They left her at home. The next day she went for a jog at like five o'clock in the morning, never came back. 
disappeared, mm. just left the house, didn't take anything, not her wallet, not her passport, nothing, and they couldn't find her. And for and we've talked about it in Breaking News before. Like I was convinced mm. that she was on the run. I was like someone with that yeah. much money can get a fake passport, would have a plan. She's probably... Mm on a beach in some country with no extradition order, like with money in locked accounts that no one can get to. So everyone was just convinced that she had planned the whole thing and taken off. But then Mm. last week a teenager was walking (laughs) on a beach and found a sneaker and inside the sneaker was a foot and Mm. they tested it and it's her foot. Mm. So now everyone's like, what the F? So there's lots of, like, at first there was lots of, like, conjecture about what had happened. So people were saying, because the sneaker with the foot was found something like 300 kilometres from where she lives. And so at first mm. people were like, well, maybe she went for a jog that morning and went and, like, took her own life and drowned herself mm. and then it took that long for her body to, like, her foot to float that far down the coast. Mm. Other people were saying that maybe it was foul play, like there's something to do with like like maybe, you know, an, a disgruntled person or someone she was working with killed her and like put her mm. in the water. Other people were saying, and this is the craziest theory, that you can live without a foot and so maybe she paid to have her foot removed. Is that why mm. you, do you think that's what happened? That was my immediate thought. And yeah. if there's any of her family members or friends listening, do not mean to be disrespectful, but that oh, was my first thought. Oh, I know, but everyone's thought. bloody gossiping about it right now. Like, what are you going to mm. do? And she ruined a lot of people's lives, so soz. Do you remember the movie Wild Things where Nev yes. Campbell removed some of her own teeth in order yes. to fake her own death? I just sort of thought, okay, this is a more extreme version of but what Nev Campbell did. it's not a crazy thing to think because a criminal expert, like, went on the news and was like, it's, you know, possible and likely mm. that she had her foot removed, put it in the ocean so people think she was dead and then she could take off. It's like the perfect way to fake your own death. Mm. So that was sort of what people were thinking. Everyone was gossiping about it. And I was out on Friday night with friends and I swear to God, we talked about it for like 45 minutes. Like it was just (laughs) couldn't get enough of it. But then it came out in the news over the weekend that, oh, this is dark. This is gross. Skip ahead if you don't like gross things. A piece of torso had washed up on a beach along the New South Wales coast, including a belly button. And so then they haven't, they've tested it, but they haven't got the results back. They don't know if it's hers. And then some intestines washed up a day later on another beach. And so what they're saying is because the belly button is an important detail because it indicates that whatever's happened, she did not die the day she disappeared because it would be way more decomposed than that. Like she disappeared months ago and so it's not likely that she just went and took her own life that morning because there's no way a piece of torso flesh would still have a recognisable belly button on it after being in the ocean for that long. Also, like they're saying that there's no way the intestines would still be like. And so what they're saying now is that if the intestines and the torso are hers, they know the foot is hers, but they think that she was alive for quite a long time, like the last couple of months, and only died quite recently. They're just not sure how 
But I've read that it's unlikely that she took her own life and, like, sharks ate her and that's why she's all in bits because they would have Mm -hmm. eaten all of that. And so my theory is, and everyone's Mm -hmm. got a theory right now, is that she was working with other people because there's been lists of all the money she spent on crazy things, like, you know, $200,000 at Dior and $100,000 on something else and Mm. holidays to Aspen and all this stuff. But it doesn't seem to me like she's spent enough money that all of that she spent all of the money she took. So I mm. think what if she was working in cahoots with some like dark criminals mm. and like she was getting a cut of all the money she was taking and giving mm-hmm. to them and when she got busted like they killed had her killed and chopped her up into bits and threw her into the ocean and she's only floating up now. Like, because they, or maybe she went on the run to hide from them and they found her and only chopped mm. her up like last week. That feels kind of likely. Right? It, yeah. Had she just been on the lamb and, you know, <laughs> hiding out for yeah. a couple of months and then she'd been found by someone who wanted to seek vengeance, I guess that's a possibility. But, but yeah, I hadn't you, thought about the fact that she was just the face of the operation. If you wanted to seek if you were someone she had wronged and stolen from, why would you kill her before you had a chance mm. to find where your money was? Like, to me, that doesn't make mm. sense yet because the investigation's only just started. It's not at the point, like, where it ended up with Bernie Madoff where they realised there was nothing and everyone was screwed. Like, it's only just mm. started with her. They're still looking to see whether there's money hidden away. Like, why would you kill her and all the possible, like, bank passwords in her head to find where your money is? I think Mm. she was the face of an operation and the dark criminal underground found her last week and killed her and chopped her up and threw her in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep, I'll put my money on that as well. And I can't believe this, but Channel 9 greenlit a drama series to be made about it two days after her foot was found. <laughs> so they're already they're already in pre-production making a show about all of this. It's happening. It's it's happening fast. Uh, I, look, I'll bet there was probably a bidding war around who oh, got the rights to it. Absolutely. It's yeah, so um yeah, it's all it's just we're we're keeping track. It's unfolding. And I guess the test results will come back soon about the belly button and the intestines. Mm. So mm. we'll see. Uh-huh. All right. Keep nuts. us posted. I shall. Oh, Lady Gaga's dogs got kidnapped. Did you read about that? <laughs> yes, I did, actually. And, and like, the only reason I came across it was because people were outraged that she was offering a reward for the dogs but not to apprehend the person who shot the dog walker. Yes. So... Her dog walker's walking her three French, whatever they are, expensive, ridiculous dogs. Someone pulls up in a car, shoots the dog walker, manages to take two of the dogs, and then she releases this tweet or whatever saying, I will give $500,000, no questions asked, for the return of the dogs. So basically Mm -hmm. what she was saying was, I won't get you in trouble. I won't ask any Mm. questions, just hand over the dogs and I'll give you the money even if you are the person who shot my dog walker. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's a strange setting for a moral compass, yeah. 
wouldn't you be like $500,000, no questions asked for information on who shot my employee? You would think so. And you would think that she would have someone in her sphere who would like point out to her the optics of what it was that she chose to do. I mean, she has paid all of his hospital bills and everything and, of course, uh-huh. like, and mm. the dogs were found. A woman said that she was walking down the street and they were tied to a pole and so she mm-hmm. just took them to the police station. So apparently that woman's getting $500,000 but, like, oh. Yeah. oh, okay. I thought two had been found and there was still one that the thieves had. No, he held on to one for dear life. So when he got okay. shot, he he held on to one. They only got two. And then mm-hmm. they freaked out and left them tied to a pole, although I don't know. I don't want to get this woman in trouble, but I'm like, seems convenient. Mm. Why mm. would they, like, if they could get their $500,000, <laughs> no questions asked. This is like that movie Ransom. Like, it's like, oh, I don't know. The perfect scam. Exactly. So mm. I'm sure they look into that woman, right? Of course, yes. Yeah. She's yeah, got yeah, shifty yeah. written over her, yeah. It does all have shifty written all over things. And the other final bit of breaking news is that we are doing Just the Gist live shows. <laughs> so we are at the Adelaide Fringe Festival on the 17th and 18th of March and the 20th of March. Mm-hmm. Both shows, I think, on the 20th, sold out or almost sold out really quickly. So then we added another couple more shows. So go have a look at the Just Just Instagram, which links to it, or the Adelaide Fringe Festival website and book tickets for the 17th, 18th or 20th. And then we will be at the Melbourne Comedy Festival on the 3rd and the 4th of April. Yeah. Easter yeah, weekend. Easter weekend. And, oh, just a little plug for myself also, Kid Chameleon, my show, will be playing at the Melbourne Comedy Festival from the 29th of March until the 4th of April. And if you want a double whammy, come to Just the Gist in the afternoon and then see Kid Chameleon in the evening. What an amazing day that would be (laughs) for all involved. So, um, yeah, we're doing shows. We're excited. And we've got a little duet thrown in there and some other bits and pieces. So Which we haven't started preparing or practising and no. yet you continue to promise it to people. <laughs> oh, it's making already, me very sweaty. I already talked to our tour manager about, like, getting the, what do you call it, copyright. So it's all happening. We're paying for the song, so we're bloody well going to sing it. <laughs> all right? Oh, how did I end up in this situation? So uh. it's going to be a scene. It's going to be a whole scene. I'm very excited mm. for... Um, <laughs> All of you to come. And it um, did, uh, like, so shows sold out quite quickly when we announced it, so get in quick. And everyone Mm. has been panicking, annoyed, worried, but let me say, yes, we will go to other cities. There are plans for us to go all around the country Mm -hmm. now that borders are open and flights are a thing. And so while Adelaide and Melbourne are the only ones on sale right now, more will be announced soon. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, etc. And Mm. that was all, unless you have anything, because you read the news now, which makes me very uncomfortable because it means I'm no longer in charge (laughs) of what you know about the world. (laughs) 
I actually, no, I haven't dipped into the news this week. So, no, I've relied on you to bring me up to speed, which you've just done. So thank you very much. Well, that was every single important headline that you need to know. And don't ask anybody else's opinion because that was it. Okay. (laughs) And that was breaking news. I don't even think I sung at the start. Record it now and then inject it. I'm sure Felix can make magic happen like that. I forget for the first time ever to sing the breaking Mm. news song. Oh, my God. Okay. We're going to record it now and then put it back in at the start, everyone. Okay. Are you ready? (laughs) Here we go. Are you ready for this week's thingy? Gagging for it. Take it away. This week, I decided to give you just the gist of Wallace Simpson and King Edward's abdication of the throne back in 1936. Excellent. Okay. All right. Right off the bat, the most I know about this is what I saw on The Crown, and I remember very little of that. So consider me totally uneducated. A lot of people, historians, blah, 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 have been at pains to say that the way The Crown showed that story was very incorrect, but, you know, it's TV, so get over it. But Mm -hmm. I think what a lot of people don't know is that the only reason Queen Elizabeth became queen is because another member of the royal family did what Harry has done this year, but he did it back in 1936. So King Edward stepped away from the royal family to be with the woman that he loved, which meant that his Mm -hmm. younger brother George had to step in and be king. George's daughter was Elizabeth, so she then became the queen and the royal family is what it is today because somebody pulled a Harry and Meghan back in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I figured because, you know, it was announced last week officially by the Queen that Harry and Meghan are no longer working royals, they no longer have any patronages, they're no longer, like, they're pretty much just royals in name only and that's it. And Harry and Meghan have an interview with Oprah that's coming out. I think it's um the 9th of March, so... Mm -hmm. pretty soon after this episode airs and apparently there's going to be a lot of bombs dropped in that interview. Mm -hmm. It felt like a good time to sort of look at how uh, this happened once before in a, you know, different kind of specifics but essentially the same thing. Somebody walked away from the royal family. Mm. Which then sort of sealed the fate of a lot of people. A lot of people, Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was interesting to compare these two statements. So, like, in January 2020, so that was, like, last year, was when Harry and Meghan first said that they were like, oh, we don't want to do this anymore. And so they'd said, after many months of reflection and internal discussions, we have chosen to make a transition this year in starting to carve out a progressive new role within this institution. We intend to step back as senior members of the royal family and work to become financially independent while continuing to fully support Her Majesty the Queen. And then the Queen was like, lol, what? No, you can't just go half in, half out. Like, (laughs) I don't think so. And so then the Mm. Queen was like, okay, let's give it a year and then if you still want to do it in a year, we'll make some decisions. But there's no way Mm. you're going to be like half royals and half not. Like, that's not fair. Mm. And so then in February, just recently, it had been a year and the Queen pretty much released a statement saying 
they can get lost. She said, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have confirmed to Her Majesty the Queen that they will not be returning as working members of the royal family. Following conversations with the Duke, the Queen has written confirming that in stepping away from the work of the royal family, it is not possible to continue with the responsibilities and duties that come with a life of public service. So pretty much last week it was made official that they're out. (laughs) Like, that's it. Yeah, and so... I thought we'd look at the last time that happened, um, and that was with King Edward. There are a lot of similarities to what happened with King Edward. A lot of differences, but a lot of similarities. And I think given that all this stuff is going to really blow up when that Oprah interview happens, a lot of people will be interested in, like, looking at and thinking about and talking about the mm. abdication because that was pretty much the last time this ever happened. Yeah. So This is definitely the closest precedent, yeah. Cool. So, in a statement that is a little bit similar to the ones I just read, on the 11th of December, 1936, King Edward said in a radio broadcast, I have found it impossible. Oh, wait, I should try and do it in RP. I have found it impossible. (laughs) I can't. To carry out the heavy burden of responsibility and to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman I love. And in that statement (laughs) on the radio, King Edward was like, you're not letting me marry my girlfriend, so I'm Audi 5000. I quit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to give you just the gist on what happened. Mm -hmm. So it's the 1930s. King Edward is still just Prince Edward because his dad, King George, is the King of England. And I say Prince mm-hmm. Edward, but he's that makes him sound young. But he's 42. So mm-hmm. he's um, single. He's known as a very eligible bachelor. He's charming. He's quite good looking. He's mm-hmm. a total party animal. Like he's 42 and single in the royal family. That's generally not allowed. You're meant to try and get married and have kids by then. But mm-hmm. he just wants to have fun and he wants to wear nice clothes and he wants to go to parties and he wants to hook up with women. Like, that's kind of his life. And there is a general unease amongst the government and also his parents, the king, um, and his mother, the queen, that he's going to be a terrible king because he seems like Mm -hmm. a spoilt brat. He doesn't seem interested in doing what the role of king requires. But they figure, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got time to make him into a good one because, you know, Mm -hmm. he's only 42. They don't expect King George is going to die for a long time. So they're like, it's okay, we'll figure it out. In Mm -hmm. 1931, he meets a woman called Wallace Simpson at a party. Wallace is an American and she was born to a pretty old school family in Baltimore, but her father died when she was a baby. So she and her mother had to rely on family to kind of take them in and look after them. Um, So it was like quite an uneasy, inconsistent childhood. It's the kind of childhood where she is definitely well-bred and she definitely comes from a very respected family, but her and her mum actually don't have a lot of money because her dad Mm -hmm. died. So people in her family pay to send her to the best schools because going to a bad school when you're from a good family is bad for the reputation. So while they don't help them out with much financially, they do help out with sending her to the best schools going. Mm -hmm. So um, she's really well educated and she is basically raised in knowing how to be a fancy rich person and how to socialise among the rich and the 
most elite people around, even if her and her mum mm-hmm. didn't always actually have that much money. Right. She marries at 19 pretty much for the security and that husband is an awful alcoholic who beats her a lot. Uh, he's a pilot and she travels with him for work and they live in places like China. But after 11 years, she just can't take it anymore and she meets this guy called Ernest Simpson and she starts having an affair with him. He's also married mm-hmm. at the time. Um, he asks her to marry him. So knowing that she can finally escape her abusive husband, she says yes to Ernest. So she and Ernest both divorce their respective partners and they marry each mm-hmm. other in 1928. And mm-hmm. Ernest is an American-British dual citizen. So he's working in Britain at the time. So they move to London. Mm-hmm. He's quite well off, but he's not crazy well off. He's just like, does okay, but he's also Mm -hmm. like her. He comes from quite a well-to-do family, so he runs in all the aristocratic social circles around London of all the rich, snooty people called, like, Bitsy and, you know, (laughs) what are they called? Bitsy and Duff and stuff. So they move into quite a nice apartment in London. They're hanging out with all the aristocrats. She's in her 30s, and she makes friend with this woman called Lady Thelma Furness, who at the time is Prince Edward's girlfriend, like his mistress. Mm -hmm. Lady Thelma is the one to introduce Ernest and Wallace to Prince Edward at a party in 1931. And Mm -hmm. over the next couple of years, they see each other socially and Ernest and Wallace, because they're friends with the prince, become pretty much the top of London's social scene. Like everybody has a Mm -hmm. lot of money, everybody's aristocratic, but to be like the most popular is if you hang out with the royals. Like it's a very Mm -hmm. like high school-esque social hierarchy. Ernest and Wallace are starting to struggle a bit financially. His job isn't going that well. They don't really have the money to keep up with all these people, even if they do have the social standing. And they have to, get this, fire all but two of their servants. And and they can only afford to have one party a month. (laughs) The struggle. The struggle. So hanging around these kinds of people is pretty advantageous to them because, um, you know, you don't have a lot of money, but they do. So you're staying in rich people's houses and people are inviting you to come to our country house for the weekend oh, and and come and holiday us over the summer on our yacht. Mm. So you kind of end up mooching quite a lot off all these other people. Ernest and Wallace become really close to Lady Thelma and Prince Edward. So they start, Mm -hmm. like, double dating a lot. So the four of them have, like, this little foursome. And in 1934, Lady Thelma has to go away on a trip and she says to Wallace before she leaves, oh, you know, the four of us have become such a little group. Um, He's going to miss me so much while I'm gone. Can you and Ernest look after him while I'm gone? And Wallace is like, yep. And while Thelma's gone... Wallace and Edward mm. fall for each other. Uh-huh. I mean, people say that um, she, like, went after him and was very manipulative and planned it. But, I mean, it's interesting the way you read about Wallace Simpson, it, it's two very different um, views of her. It's, like, all very gender dynamics based. There is the one camp, which is pretty much all men, who have written about her saying that she was just this manipulative witch who cast this spell on him and went after him on purpose and um, basically, like, treated him like a like a 
dog and and like bewitched him and hypnotized him. And then there's mm. women who write about her who call her a feminist icon and say that she just fell in love with this man and did what she could to make him a better person and none of it's her fault, it's all him. And so it's hard to really know which story to tell. Like when you give just the gist of Wallace Simpson, you could give so many different gists. Yeah, so I'm trying course. to sort of give you the gist of just what happened and... Mm-hmm. You know, you can sort of make up your own mind about things. But this is one of the first moments where the just the gists could go down many different roads because a lot mm. of people say she went after him on purpose. A lot of people say she didn't expect it. And But whatever happened while Lady Thelma was away, Wallace and Edward fell in love, mm. apparently. Mm. Um, and... I also need to point out here that this was apparently very common. So Prince Edward was renowned for getting obsessed with the women he's dating and declaring his Mm -hmm. undying love for them. So he'd always meet someone new, they'd become his flavour of the month or of the year and he'd love bomb them. Like he'd just become obsessed. I'm going to be with you forever. I love you. You're the one. You're the one. And then he'd meet someone else and be like, oh, I love her now. So, you know, Mm -hmm. he'd been with Lady Thelma. He'd been with someone before that. He'd been with someone before that. Always married Mm -hmm. women. Lady Thelma was married because um, if... Uh, you're with an unmarried woman, you have to marry her. You can't have an affair with an unmarried woman without marrying her. So in Mm. royal circles, they always have affairs with married women so everybody understands that it's just a fling. Like that's their kind of weird way around that rule. And so Plus they don't have to be a virgin anymore. Exactly. And so Wallace Mm. assumed when Edward turned his attention towards her and started liking her instead of Thelma, she just thought that's what was happening. She's like, he's a womanizer. He gets obsessed. His love flame burns bright for a couple of years and then it peters out and he moves on to someone else. And, like, here's where English aristocratic society gets kind of weird. And, I mean, I want to say it's only back then, but, I mean, it was happening as recently as Charles and Camilla and probably still happens now. But affairs in marriages are very common among Mm. aristocratic circles back then and it's almost expected that because Mm. you kind of get married as a business arrangement, rarely for love, and so then you have affairs with whoever and it's just like no big deal. Um, Mm. But to have an affair with the prince or a member of the royal family is actually considered quite an important social thing. Like rather than be derided for it, you get a lot of social credit and respect for being that close to a royal family So, yeah, so when Edward started to show an interest in Wallace, not only was Wallace like, oh, awesome, but, like, Ernest, her husband, was like, yes, awesome, this is great for us. Like, it's <laughs> kind of get like, it. Yeah, it's kind of like a part-time job for her that would benefit wow. both of them. Like, this is something you can contribute to our life is being mm-hmm. with the prince. And it was an honour to them as a couple that she was romant- romantically involved with the future king. So... He's like I did not see that her. coming at all. No, yeah, no, wow. it is. It's like quite. It's a thing. Um, and he was renowned for treating his past mistresses very well. So his friends with all the uh-huh. women he's dated, them and their husbands are treated really well because they're so close to the royal family. So like, it's mm. something that a lot of women and their husbands would like for them to do: have an affair with a member of the royal family. It's a badge of honor and an income stream. Wow. Well, I mean, it's an income stream in that 
you like get the kind of influence and respect that you get better jobs and you get just that kind of thing. Like it's just mm-hmm. exposure, it's connections, exposure. Yeah. So Edward starts showering Wallace in gifts, like crazy amounts of jewels. Like, you know, he gave her some jewels for Christmas that today would be worth something like $9 million. Like, Mm. and also Ernest is getting a lot of gifts. He's getting stuff. Ernest is getting a lot of benefits work-wise. He's getting work opportunities that he wouldn't otherwise. Their social standing in London skyrocketed. And Wallace wrote in letters at the time that she knew it was all going to end. Like, he's going to move on to another world woman as he always does his obsessions don't last more than a couple of years and so she was just trying to enjoy it while it lasted and she and Ernest were like let's just get what we can out of this kind of like I said part-time job you have for a while being with the prince (laughs) Um, and it wasn't considered a conniving thing to do it was just how things worked back then Mm. she and Ernest were still pretty happy in their marriage and in letters they wrote to each other at the time they did kind of indicate that it was quite hard work, this arrangement with Prince Edward. Like, she liked him very, very much and and possibly even, like, love him. But Mm -hmm. um, she and Ernest privately called him Peter Pan because he really was just the worst. He was like a giant man-child. Like, he was Mm -hmm. the worst kind of example of what it means to be told from the day you were born that you were the most important person in the world. Like, he just had no idea about life. He had no idea how to do anything for himself. He expected to get everything he wanted when he wanted it. Um, Being obsessed with Wallace meant that he expected her to be at his beck and call 24-7. His obsession with her was all-consuming. Like, it was a lot for her. It was a lot of work. And that's why, like, when people say that she bewitched him or, like, he loved her like he loved no other and it's a love story of the ages, it's like... He'd been that obsessed with all his mistresses. Like, that's just how Mm. he was with women. Like, he was kind of a love bomber or, as we say today, a fuckboy. Like, that's kind of what he did. (laughs) And there's speculation over the reasons he liked Wallace, and this is where things do get quite sexist. Um, A lot of people say that she had learned sexy tricks when she lived in China with her first husband because um, (laughs) apparently back then it was quite a popular touristy thing to do was to go and visit the Chinese brothels and look at all the um, traditionally dressed Chinese women and and Mm. it was kind of like a thing that rich people were like, we were so naughty today. We went and had a look at the Chinese prostitutes. You know what I mean? Like I know that's the incorrect term to use now, it's sex workers, but them Mm. back then. And so apparently she had, yes visited these places in China. And so when she started dating Edward, a lot of people were like, she's so ugly because everybody said she was really ugly and severe looking. Well, men said that. They were like, there's no Mm. reason he could possibly like her unless she has bewitched him with sexual powers that she learned in China. So that was something people said she was doing. Mm A lot mm-hmm. of people said that um, he wanted to be dominated in all his relationships. Past mistresses said that he liked having a woman who kind of uh, took the role of the boss or the mummy. And um, they said that she probably was good at dominating him and a lot of that came back to her being considered not feminine enough. Mm. I don't really go want to go into that. I think she's actually quite a beautiful, striking-looking woman. I think she has mm. one of those faces that we really appreciate on, like, models today. She's very angular. She's very photogenic. Mm-hmm. But she was renowned at the time, like, 
newspapers and media would just openly call her hideous and mm. ugly. Like they do with Camilla today. Yes, exactly. They kind mm. of talked about her the same way they talked about Camilla. And so a, a lot of people would say, yeah, she could dominate him because she's like not feminine. And um, so clearly she must be a bit manly. And there was also a rumour, and this might not actually be a, a rumour, it's um, been a lot of historians say that it's confirmed that she was born intersex. So she was born with both male and female sex organs mm-hmm. and that that's why she kind of didn't, like, she had developed quite masculine-looking features. And the reason they think that that is possibly true is that she was infertile, she was never able to have children, and mm. apparently medical records show that that was because she did have, um, and it's quite a common thing to be born intersex, I think. Um, 2% of the yeah. world's population. Did you realise it was that high? I only learned that I didn't realise it was that high, no. There are more people who are born with a combination of male and female genitals than there are redheads in the <gasps> world, but it is Stop. hidden away and it it is disgusting because so often doctors will decide to just assign a gender at birth. If a baby is born with both sets of yeah, gonads, they will one. just make a decision, often not even in conjunction with the parents. They will just mm-hmm. go ahead and say, yep, this one's going to be a boy. And this is why it is so infuriating when you have someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene putting a sign up out the mm. front of her office yeah. in, if you don't know who she is, she's in the House of Reps, I think, in the US. Yeah. And she's a mass was a massive QAnon supporter. She's now renounced all of that. But she put up a sign saying there are only two genders, male and female. That's the science. Like, all of a sudden she's trying to present herself mm. as someone who believes in the science after being a COVID denier and refusing to wear a mask for the last year. Um And she's just proving right there how totally uneducated she is. But a lot of people responded really positively to that because that is the worldview that they want to be true, even though it's not. Well, like you said, 2% of people are born intersex. So, I mean, if Mm -hmm. you're born with both sets of sex organs, then what do TERFs and anti-trans people say to that? Like, Mm. you can't, like, it just proves that your, like, physical genitalia that you were born with, your physical, biological sex organs have nothing to do with what your gender identity is. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yep. I wasn't I wasn't expecting this to get into an argument Sorry, about trans rights. Sorry, let us down a bit of a rant. Trans rights are human rights and let's just leave it at that for now. But ugh. Mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, so there, it was apparently in her medical records that she had been born intersex and that was the reason that sadly she was infertile later, which was always Mm -hmm. very heartbreaking for her because she very much wanted children. Regardless of whether it's true or not, they used it against her. Like people used that Mm -hmm. against her, that there was something wrong with her, she was dirty, she was, um, you know, secretly a man and she was overpowering him and just all those kind of horrible rumours that you want to know. I want to say it was because it was the 30s, but people would still say that shit today, and they do. 100%, yes. Yes. The theory that Michelle Obama was a man. Like, we still see it to this day. But whatever the reason, he liked her. He did. He really liked her. He, you know, she became his latest flavour of the month, his latest mistress obsession, and despite him Mm. being very hard work and essentially a spoiled man baby, she did really enjoy being with him because, you Mm -hmm. know, she 
got a lot of benefits from it. Um, it was very glamorous. Like she got showered in gifts. She got to go on fancy trips. You know, you're basically treated like royalty when you hang out with royalty. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she was into it. After a couple of years, though, um, Ernest started loving it less and less because the usual agreement was that your wife runs around with the prince, but she's still your wife. But Mm -hmm. Edward was so spoilt that he didn't want that arrangement in place. Like he wanted Wallace all to himself and he would essentially make it very difficult for her to spend any time with Ernest. So Ernest starts seeing another woman called Mary and that really breaks Wallace's heart because she loves Ernest and she expects Mm. that when this relationship with Edward finishes, their marriage will go back to normal and that will be that. Um, Mm -hmm. So she's starting to think, okay, when? When is he going to fixate on something else? Like I feel like Mm. I'm losing Ernest. I just want to go home. Let's, you know, can he please just move on to his next mistress? Mm -hmm. But then the thing that nobody expected to happen so soon happened. So on January 20, 1936, King George, Edward's father, died, Mm -hmm. which meant that Edward, the man baby who had never grown up, had to step in Mm -hmm. and become king far earlier than he ever anticipated or wanted or anybody else ever anticipated or wanted. And Mm -hmm. an interesting little side note here that I just thought was crazy, so I wanted to tell you, King George was very, very sick towards the end, in a lot of pain, delirious. And the night that he died, they the doctor essentially essentially euthanized him with a massive cocktail of morphine and cocaine because they wanted to make sure he died in time <laughs> for uh, his death to be on the cover of the morning papers rather than the afternoon papers because that's a more prestigious oh. paper. So they killed oh. him to make sure he got on the cover of the morning paper. Yeah. They knew he wasn't going to make it through the night, but they needed him to die early enough in the night that he'd be on the cover of the paper in the morning. Breaking news first thing in the morning. Wow. That's capitalism for you. Yeah. Wow. But what a way to go. What a way to go. Just out on a hive morphine and coke. Woofed. (laughs) What what was he sick with? Do you know? Uh, Oh, I can't remember. I think it was like. I don't know, consumption or some crime, the weird stuff they died from back then. God, this mm-hmm. is just the gist, Jacob. I Sorry. don't remember all the de- important details, like how people <laughs> died. <laughs> um, but when that happened, Wallace assumed, okay, cool, we had a good run, but I'm a married mm-hmm. woman and he's now going to become king. So he has to end it now. He can't be with me. He needs to find a royal wife. And so she's mm-hmm. actually kind of relieved because she had, it be, It had been a few years, like, I think it had been almost three years, she's looking for a way to get out of it anyway. Mm-hmm. But Edward is used to getting what he wants and he's quite mm-hmm. pig-headed and he's obsessed with Wallace at the time he becomes king, so he informs everyone that he intends to marry her. And Mm -hmm. she's like, lol, no, Edward, you can't. And he's like, yes, I can. I'm the king now and I can have whatever I want and I want Mm -hmm. you. And Mm -hmm. what I kind of realised from the research I've done the last couple of weeks is that he goes through all these love obsessions with women and Mm -hmm. I think that she just happened to have the unlucky timing of being the one that he was currently obsessed with when his father died and he became king. It could have oh. been any other woman. Like, so he was just playing musical chairs with women and then the music happened to stop when he was with her. Exactly. Oh. Because he is just 
spoilt and pig-headed and when he becomes king and they tell him, okay, you have to get a new girlfriend, you ca- you have to get a new wife, you can't marry Wallace, he's like, well, no, I want to marry Wallace. And he kind of just gets mm. annoyed that they tell him no, so he doubles mm-hmm. down on it. And that could have just been any woman he was with, like because he went through women every couple of years and she was kind of coming to the end of her cycle and then he suddenly becomes king. So mm-hmm. he tells the government, he tells everyone that he wants to marry Wallace. They all say, no, you cannot. Like she's a once divorced woman who is actually still married to Ernest. Mm. They're like, it's morally repugnant. It goes against the Church of England, all that kind of stuff back then. And so he thinks, okay, well, if it'll help that she's no longer married, I'll take care of that. So he talks to Ernest without her there and they agree that Ernest will get caught cheating on her so that she has grounds to ask for a divorce. So (gasps) Ernest goes away, gets caught in a hotel room with a woman uh, that's listed on the, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? guest manifest as Mrs. Buttercup, uh-huh. but it's widely known that it was it was his girlfriend, Mary. It was the woman he was uh-huh. dating anyway. Um, so he gets caught with this woman in a hotel room so that Wallace has grounds to launch a divorce petition and mm-hmm. they just decide all that without her. Like they just decide mm-hmm. that. And she's devastated because she still loves Ernest and was hoping to go back to him, like that their mm-hmm. marriage would just continue once all this stuff with, Edward was over. Um, Mm -hmm. But even after they launch her divorce proceedings, he's like, she's going to be divorced soon. The parliament's still saying he can't marry her. They're like, well, then she's just going to be twice divorced and both her husbands are still alive. And so that Mm -hmm. basically makes her a whore in the eyes of everyone. Did you know that up until 2002, the Church of England considered you still married if you were divorced and your your divorced partner was still alive? 2002. That doesn't surprise me just because I thought the whole reason that the church was created was Henry VIII wanting yeah, to be able is. to it's, divorce. It's and a ridiculous church. And he made sure church. that the women died by removing their heads. Yes. Right? I mean, so, it's crazy to me that they're, they're all hooty-tooty about their rules and it's like you were literally created because a dude wanted to have sex with his mistress. Your whole church yeah. is based on a dude's penis and you're getting all uppity about your rules. Oh, my God. Mm. Stupid. <laughs> So anyway, even after he puts her divorce in motion, Parliament, the church, everyone's still saying, no, you cannot marry her. And all Mm -hmm. the time she is saying to Edward, I don't want this. Marry someone else. Like, don't worry about it. Why are you doing this? Like, like, I don't want to be the reason everyone hates you. I don't want everyone to hate me. Like, this is not what she's very clear with him. This is not mm. what I want. But at this point, his spoiled brattiness has totally kicked in. He's being angry that he's been told no. And he's becomes obsessed with getting what he wants for pretty much the first time in his life because he's not getting it. So his final pitch to the people in charge is, can we do something called a Morganatic marriage? And that's Mm -hmm. basically where he's a king and he can marry a commoner and that commoner agrees that she'll never be called queen, she'll never be considered a royal, her children Mm -hmm. will not be considered royal heirs, so they will never go on to Mm -hmm. become king or queens or anything. And so he's like, can't I just have that? And Mm -hmm. parliament is like, no, she sucks. We're not letting you. And there Mm -hmm. is speculation 
that the reason Parliament and everyone is being so steadfast about this is because they never wanted him to be king in the first place and they're trying to get him to abdicate because everybody right. wants his younger brother to be king. And so because looking back, a lot of historians say it makes absolutely no sense that they wouldn't at least agree to a morganatic marriage. Like it really does seem like they're looking to get him to jump ship. And so when they tell him, like, we're not even going to let you do a morganatic marriage, he's like, well, I'm just going to, I will just marry her. I'm king and I will just marry Mm -hmm. her and F you. Mm -hmm. And Parliament (laughs) literally says to him, if you marry her, the entire parliament will resign and there will be absolutely no government in this country. Like, so basically they're like, we will blow this country up politically if you marry. Wow. This really just kept escalating. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now who can definitely relate to the feeling of if someone tells you no, you can't do something or you can't have something, it makes you want it even more and even more and even more and so you keep fighting. Um, Yeah, that does sort of add up that the fact that the parliament took it to that level, Mm. it was this game of chicken where they were like, it's it's you or us. Yeah. And... Meanwhile, she writes him a letter saying, stop this. And she she breaks up with him. She says, I love Ernest. You and mm-hmm. I have had this thing, but Ernest and I are the ones who belong together. Ernest and I love each other. You will find a lovely wife. You and I can still see each other. I will still be in your life. You're being mm. ridiculous. Stop being a baby. I cannot marry you. Our romantic relationship is over. She then attempts Mm. to leave London because by this point the press have figured out who she is and what's happening and they're hounding her. He gets the letter and this is where you just think not only is he a spoilt man baby, he's also an emotionally manipulative asshole. He threatens to kill himself if she leaves him and she doesn't want to be responsible Uh. for that. So she comes back to see him. And when she comes back to see him, he puts her in a car that is driven um, out of England and to a friend's house in France. And the car is chased by the press the whole time. It reminds me Mm -hmm. a lot of Diana being chased. Like it is literally Mm -hmm. chased all the way to France. And Mm -hmm. she is basically a prisoner in this house for like months because the press are outside trying to hound her and he's Mm -hmm. telling her he'll kill himself if she leaves And so she's just stuck in this house of um, his friends. And while she's there, he finally throws the ultimate tantrum and says to the parliament, fine, if you don't let me marry her, then I'm quitting. I will abdicate. And when he says that, she writes a statement that is read out to the press. And this is why it's crazy to me that people act like she forced him into it when none of this is secret. Mm. She writes a statement that is read out to the press which says, I do not want or need to marry him. I Mm. want him to be king. I do not want him to do this for me. I am completely relinquishing any relationship I have with him. I just want him to be king. I want everything to be stable in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I'm stepping Mm -hmm. back. I'm out, like, let him Mm -hmm. be king. But he just goes, no, I want it. I want you. And they're telling me no. So I don't care about your statement. And, like, (laughs) she pretty much pulls a Taylor Swift and is like, I wish to be excluded from this narrative, go and be king. And he's like, I'm angry that they're telling me I can't have something I want, so I'm quitting. And so 
his mind is made up and he goes to his younger brother, George, tells him that he's jumping ship, that he's abdicating, which means the responsibility of being king now falls on George's shoulders and then onto the shoulders of his daughter, who is Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And um, for years, George's wife, the Queen Mother, remember the Queen Mother, Elizabeth's mum, hated mm-hmm. Edward because George died not long after this happened, George died when Elizabeth was only 24, I think, mm-hmm. and they think it's because he was a very shy man, he was a very timid man, being king was not something he really had, like, what's that old-fashioned thing they say, the constitution for, um, mm-hmm. and she, mm-hmm. uh, the Queen Mother, believed that becoming king is what killed him, the stress of it is what killed him, and um, mm-hmm. that's why Elizabeth our queen now became queen when she was 24 because her dad died so early from stress and a lot of people think that's Edward's fault. I can understand why she hates him after what you've just described. But also Elizabeth's father was a chain smoker and he died of lung cancer, so eh, (laughs) but still. Oh, even aside from the fact that his decision then sealed the fate for the rest of that family and totally changed the trajectory of their lives, that is something to hold on to resentment for. But Imagine looking someone in the face and saying, I don't want to do this horrible job, so I'm not going to knowing that that means you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yeah. That's what he did. But it's not, you've described one of the most selfish people I've ever heard all the mm. way through this story. I mean, he's got this unbelievable level of entitlement, which does make sense because you see entitlement in boys that are raised in middle-class suburbia. The fact that he was raised knowing that he was going to be a god king who was anointed um, to rule the empire, of course he was going to have an even greater sense of entitlement. And just the fact that I had no idea that he was so manipulative and conniving yeah. with Wallace. Yeah. That she was this sort is, of forced. I mean, I say again, there are many just the gist roads you can go down in this story because people have mm. so many different opinions and ideas about who was manipulating who. A lot of people believe she manipulated him. She was desperate to be mm-hmm. queen, blah, blah, blah. And I read and consumed a lot of stuff for this episode And I have clearly come down more on the side of Wallace and more on the side of him being (laughs) a giant man baby. But I Mm. will say that there's a reason for that. Like I did read a lot of letters, uh, like a lot of the letters she wrote to Ernest. And and to me, I feel like this is what I think the most likely just the gist is. And I'm sure there are people Mm -hmm. who disagree with me, but, I mean, she did release a statement saying, I don't want this. She wrote letters to Ernest saying, you're the love of my life. I I don't know how to get out of this. She wrote letters to people back home saying, he's obsessed with me, but he's, he's the king. I don't know what to do. You can't say no. Like, so I really do think that he just wanted whatever he wanted and he was angry that he couldn't have it. And abused his power. And mm-hmm. the worst part for me is threatening suicide if she didn't yeah. do what he wanted, making yeah. her responsible for his life. That's that's oh. emotional abuse doing that to someone. It's just awful. Mm. So, um, yeah, he goes to his younger brother, George, and says, you know, I want to be king and have Wallace and I won't mm-hmm. be king unless I can do it the way I want and so I'm quitting. Mm-hmm. And so he signs, you know, the whatever, the forms, <laughs> the abdication, <laughs> like I'm abdicating forms. Does his exit interview. Yeah. P. 
picks them up at Centrelink, faxes them off. Yeah, so he, he signs the forms um, to officially abdicate and then he reads that radio address that I read to you earlier, which I'll read again mm-hmm. now. He said he goes on radio to tell everyone, I've abdicated, I'm no longer going to be your king, my younger brother's going to take over, and he says, I've found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman that I love. And at this point, his father had died in January and he'd been um, made king in January and when he reads out that statement, I think it's December, so he lasted like less than a year. He didn't even make mm-hmm. it to his official big coronation ceremony. So, like, he became mm-hmm. king the moment his father died, but it takes ages to organise the big coronation parade. He hadn't even got to that yet. Mm. And so then the coronation parade, they kept it scheduled in, but they just plonked George in it instead. They'd already, like, started <laughs> making all this, the tea towels <laughs> and the merch with Edward's face on it, and they were like, quick, pulp all of that and just slot in the younger brother. So it was like... <laughs> Nuts. Um, I know of a wedding that happened with where someone had a wedding planned and then they ended up just switching out the groom. (laughs) They kept the wedding and put in a new... They kept the date, they kept the photographer, they kept the flowers, everything was all scheduled and planned. Why let a good party go to waste? Really? Hey, there was a deposit that was on the line, so... There you go. I get it. Yeah, and so he goes on the radio and reads out that abdication statement and this is where the Crown Mm. gets it quite wrong and it's upset a lot of historians because um, in the scene in the Crown where he's reading that out on the radio, Wallace is, like, standing behind him with her hand on his shoulder like she's kind of this puppeteer. But actually Mm. she was locked in the house in France that he wouldn't let her out of on threat of killing himself. So she wasn't even there and apparently as she listened to it on the radio, she just sat there and wept writes a letter to Ernest that day saying how heartbroken she is not to be with him, that he's her soulmate. He writes back and tells her he feels the same, but, you know, Whittle Edward's got to get what he wants so they can never be together. Oh, my God. Not long after he abdicates, Wallace's divorce to Ernest finally goes through and Mm. she and Edward are married in a very small ceremony not long after that, just in, like, a little house. They invite all of the royal family and he still assumes that things are going to be the way he wants and he's like, oh, all Mm. my family will come. None of them come. Mm. And apparently he is just shocked and she's like, how are you shocked? Of course they weren't going to come. And that's when she says she realises that he honestly didn't think anything was going to change. And this is where there's kind Mm. of some similarities to Harry, I think, that he thought he could just step back and have a kind of lesser role the way that he wanted, just have the fun parts of being a royal and not the hard parts and blah, blah. That's what everyone's saying about Harry and the tabloids. I'm not Mm. saying I agree with it, but that's sort of where people are like, it's quite similar. He just assumed, oh, I can just give up being king and then keep being a prince and having a great life. Mm. And Mm -hmm. when nobody came to his wedding to Wallace, that was when he was like, oh, shit, what have I done? Like he didn't Mm -hmm. realise. And Wallace ends up stuck with him forever because he'd gone through woman after woman after woman, but that was when he'd had all the trappings of being a royal and a life where everything was done for him and he was made to feel like the most important person and special person in the world every day. But when he walked away from being a king, he was just a guy, like he was just a person, and he had no idea how to handle it. 
So his love obsession with Wallace, which, you know, in the past, every time he'd been obsessed with a woman, it had lasted a few years, petered out, he'd moved on to a different woman. Because Wallace was the one who was with him when he lost everything that made him feel like a person, like Mm. an important royal person, his love obsession with Wallace turned into, like, an obsession of dependence. He became, after he, like, lost his place in the royal family completely and utterly dependent on her to make him feel mm. special and in, and important the way he had always felt. And, like, she had to do things like make sure all the servants in the house still referred to him as his royal highness, um, King Edward. She had to do things like make sure um, <laughs> they ran the house as if it was a royal palace rather than just a house. Mm. Like, she basically had to keep up the illusion that he was still an important king prince in his own little bubble like that's Mm. you know and he could not live without that so whereas in the past he would have moved on to another woman at this point he needed her so she she gets fully trapped she was trapped he wanted to go back to london and he assumed Mm. that after a couple of years of living in france the controversy would die down they could move back to london and move into a palace and just live life as, you know, royals, just not the king, not the one who has to do all the work. But um, they were like long Can I just, I have to point out before we go any further, you have really been in Adelaide for a while now because you said France instead of France. (laughs) Oh, God. I've been around Caleb too long. You didn't realise you did it, did you? No. It's it's creeping in. You're picking up the accent. You said France. I'm turning into an Adelaidean. How would you say dance? Dance, dance, dance. dance. I'm going to dance in France. She's back. All right. (laughs) I'm back. Sorry. (laughs) Yes. So they're in this house in France for a couple of years and they'll assume they'll get to come back and just slot into the royal family. But King George, his brother, says, no, F you. You can't come back. Like, how dare you? Look what you've done to me and my family and look at what you've doomed my daughter Elizabeth into a life of. Like she could have had a nice life with a nice husband and a couple of kids and now she's basically, you know, forced to be the queen forever. And and so his brother is pissed and they don't, they're ostracised from England. They're pretty much not allowed in. And um, then this is where things get dicey with him and Wallace. So kind of turns out they're friends with a lot of Nazis. So, um, and there's, there are apologists for this and there are people who are steadfast, like, no, they were totally in it. But basically, um, over the next couple of years, you know, things are ramping up to World War II. So Hitler has Mm -hmm. taken over Germany. And at that point, Prince Edward said later that he was just someone who was sitting on the fence. He was like Germany with Hitler in charge and Russia mm-hmm. with who was in charge back then? Lenin? I don't know. Stalin. Stalin. He was like, they're obviously going to have a war. We'll let them fight it out and see who wins. So I'm not going to um, ostracize either of them. Like, I think it's important mm-hmm. that as a world dignitary, that I am mm-hmm. nice to Hitler and nice to Stalin, (laughs) but it's hard to say that he didn't know what was going on because everybody knew how anti-Semitic Hitler was. Um, It's widely Mm. known that 
Edward was quite anti-Semitic and apparently Wallace was also. They Mm -hmm. had a lot of friends like uh, the Mitford, some of the Mitford sisters who like were married to prominent Nazis, were dear friends Mm -hmm. of theirs. They, you know, just kept like holidaying in houses that happened to be with prominent Nazis and they'd go, oh, it was just a free place to stay. So there are a lot of people who apologise for them and say, oh, look, they're all rich people just stay with other rich people. How how are they supposed to know there were Nazis there but it just, like, kept happening? Like how many times can you accidentally stay with a Nazi? Mm. And then all of this culminated in Edward and Wallace accepting a trip to Germany to meet with Hitler. And Mm -hmm. they say, the apologists say that Edward accepted this trip because he had such a big ego and Hitler reached out to him and said, if you come here, we will treat you like the king and we will Mm -hmm. refer to Wallace as Her Royal Highness Wallace Simpson or Mm -hmm. or Wallace Queen Lady and Mm -hmm. we will take you around on a, like, Germany tour as if you are the king and queen of England. And they Mm -hmm. said that he really wanted Wallace to feel what it was like to go on an official royal trip. And Mm -hmm. so apparently Hitler had kind of appealed to his ego and there's quite a famous photo of Edward and Wallace uh, standing in front of Hitler while Wallace has her hand out to Hitler and he's kissing her hand and she's smiling, Mm -hmm. like beaming at him, which everybody says, oh, they were just being polite. Nobody knew how bad Hitler was yet. I mean... Other world leaders had to meet with Trump and be nice. Like, it's just diplomacy. Mm. But people kind of did know how bad Hitler was then. Like, it, it wasn't a secret at this point. Mm-hmm. There's speculation that um, Edward had a plan with Hitler that he was going, Hitler was going to win the war, take over everything, and then put Edward back in as King of England. And so that's why oh. he was being friendly with him. I think but that's a lot in of the people crown. say yeah. a lot of people say Edward's too stupid for that and that Hitler oh. <laughs> just plant was planning that without his knowledge but that's also quite forgiving of Edward so I think I, I mean all the Hitler stuff is there's a book called 17 Carnations by Andrew Morton that goes into a lot of detail about just how entrenched with Nazis and anti-Semitism Wallace and Edward were but there are other mm-hmm. people who have written whole books completely denying it so right Mm, to me, it seems quite likely they were in with the Nazis and they, you know, kind of like the same way people were in with Trump the last few years. You kind of pick a side. They picked a side. Hitler was treating them like royals mm-hmm. when no one else was. And so they were like, yeah, we're in. Let's do it. Yeah. Seems to check out. They chose the side that they thought was going to win and the side yeah. that was going to give them the best benefits if they did win. So, yeah. Yeah. So they are doing that. And um, Winston Churchill has become prime minister again. And Winston Churchill was always completely anti-Hitler. He was like pro, let's go in and blow them apart. He's dangerous. He's Mm -hmm. evil. And so when Winston Churchill found out that um, Edward and Wallace had gone to Germany and they'd done that embarrassing trip and there was those photos of them with Hitler, he was like, right, you're done. You're out. You can't even Mm -hmm. be in Europe. And so they make him the ambassador to the Bahamas and he and Wallace (laughs) are banished to the Bahamas for the entire... 
for the entirety of World War II so that they, because they also suspected them of possibly being spies and of being up to bad yeah. stuff and they were like, you yeah. know what, you're embarrassing us, you could be doing something dodgy, so we are just mm. sending you to a beach and locking you there. And so mm-hmm. they got pretty much banished to the Bahamas, which they hated because the Bahamas is great now, but back then it was, you know, it was certainly Third not equi- yeah, equipped for people who were used to living in mansions and it was they said it was like five years of hell they hated it Mm -hmm. and um after you know hitler lost the war and they were like well shit that was a mistake siding with him they were allowed to leave the bahamas but they were pretty much never allowed back in england again they kind Mm -hmm. of lived the rest of their lives as semi-rich transients like they Mm -hmm. (laughs) poor for rich people like they still right. they had a massive house and they had servants and stuff. They had an allowance from the royal family of something like I think three million dollars a year, but oh. not not what they were used to. Certainly not yeah. what it and that money had to pay for everything. Like he was used to having everything paid for and then any money that he got was his to just spend on fun things. And so then mm. he was like, oh, I've got $3 million a year. Let's go have fun. And Wallace was like, no, there's things called bills. Like, and so it it was not what they were accustomed to. And then when um, his brother George died quite unexpectedly about 10 years later, um, that allowance got cut off and he essentially had to go to Elizabeth when she was 25 and beg her for money, beg her to keep the allowance going, which I think she did, mm-hmm. but it was very small. Um, mm-hmm. And they just spent the rest of their lives, you know, going and staying at rich friends' houses, they never had jobs. Mm-hmm. He was never given an official job again after the Nazi debacle. Um, so he could never be of service. They just kind of potted around their house in France, their rich friend's mm-hmm. house somewhere else, someone else's rich mm-hmm. house somewhere else. Like I said, she was infertile so she couldn't have children. But interestingly, mm-hmm. he was also infertile. Um, oh. He had gotten a bad case of the mumps when he was a teenager and that had made him oh. infertile. And so everybody says, oh, the only reason Elizabeth is queen is because he abdicated, but it turns out she would have ended up queen anyway because he couldn't have kids, which means it would have reverted to her when he died anyway. Right. Oh, wow. Because of yeah. mumps. Yeah, apparently he became infertile because of mumps. She basically spent the rest of her life making sure he felt like a king, making Mm -hmm. sure he felt important and special. And then he died first. He died on May 28 in 1972. He was 77 years old. And Mm. what happened to her after that's really awful. Like after he died, she was pretty much alone. A lot of stuff got taken away to pay for like debts and things. And so she Mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of money. She went blind and she kind of went a bit senile very quickly. Mm. And so for about, she lived for another nine years after he died and she spent all of that in bed wearing a nappy, not being able to see with nobody coming to visit her. A lawyer took over her affairs and that lawyer um, basically took advantage of her, very much like I care a lot, like basically sold all her stuff, kept the money, Uh wouldn't let anybody come to see her so that they couldn't talk to her about what she wanted, um, signed everything over into her name so that when she died she would get everything. So, yeah, she spent the last nine years of her life 
in bed, in a nappy, blind, not really knowing what was going on, being taken advantage of by this awful woman. And then um, she died in uh, on April 24th, 1986, and she was allowed to be buried next to Edward in the royal plot and the royal family at the time uh, did go to her funeral, including oh. Diana. Oh. It was 19, well, because it was 1986. So yeah. the Queen, Prince Philip, Charles, Diana, they all went, they, mm-hmm. yeah, they finally, when she died, respected her enough to kind of let her be A, buried there and to B, acknowledge that she was a human being who deserved acknowledgement at her funeral. Well, what a lovely gesture decades too late. Well, that when Edward died, um, they it was the first time she was ever allowed in Buckingham Palace. It was the first time she was ever spoken to by any of the royals at his funeral. Mm. And she said that she was determined to not let them see she was upset. And so she just went to the funeral, kept as straight a face as she could. Um, There's an incredibly sad photo of her looking out of a a window of Buckingham Palace just looking like, F you guys, like, Mm. I'm so cranky. And then after uh, Edward's funeral, they just pretty much shoved her out the door. Nobody even took her or went with her to the airport. She had to make her own way to the airport, go back to France. Oh, she had to call a cab. Kind of. And the next nine years of her life were awful and then she died and then the second time they ever let her back in was when she was dead. Mm. And that was it. (sighs) Wow. Once again, we prove. That is the story of Wallace Simpson and the just the gist of the last time somebody walked away from the royal family. Mm. And another story about how damaging and unnecessary the monarchy is. There's some TV interviews with them in the 70s when they're both quite old and Wallace did say, like, you know, I think it would have made a world of difference if they'd just let him have a job, like if they'd just let him help and be of service in some way. Like, Mm -hmm. Like why did they have to just cut him off completely and cut us off completely and like it just seems like such an archaic weird thing to do I don't before the Nazi stuff yes Yes. after the Nazi (laughs) stuff I can completely understand why they chose to shun them but I do my heart breaks for her the fact that she got trapped in this scenario with him and then I mean god it's a tale as old as history of women having to dedicate their lives to making a man feel special Mm -hmm. and catered to um she just happened to get (gasps) and in this case with someone who has possibly an ego bigger than Kanye's Mm -hmm. oh big time yeah so Mm. yeah it was I think it's it's there are certainly probably people who disagree with the version of the story I just gave you the gist of but Mm -hmm. reading everything that was kind of the story that seemed most likely to me that she Everybody says that she, like, you know, bewitched him and stole him and wanted to be queen and then when she couldn't, she made him leave. And But really it was like she got stuck in it. She didn't want any mm. of it. And, mm. you know, I think that sucks for her. But, yeah, we give you just the gist, but if you want more, oh, my goodness, there is so much more. I listen to a bunch of podcast episodes that I'll put in the show notes 
I read the book 17 Carnations by Andrew Morton. Uh, I read a couple, uh, read, I listened to a couple of um, biographies of Wallace Simpson, a particularly great one called Untitled The Real Wallace Simpson, Duchess of Windsor by Anna Pasternak. And it's uh, narrated by this great woman who does all the accents perfectly. So, like, mm-hmm. she'll do RP perfectly. She does American perfectly. She does South African perfectly. She does Scottish perfectly. Like, she does everyone perfect. So I mm-hmm. would recommend listening to that book just for the awesome narration by the narrator of it. Mm-hmm. I also watched quite a few YouTube interviews with Anna Pasternak, who's an historical writer and who and who wrote that book um, because she is very much on the side of the story that I just told you, that Wallace Simpson mm-hmm. got stuck in something with a man-baby, and she very passionately argues that case in mm-hmm. a lot of interviews that she did on YouTube. Also watch The Crown if you want to get that version of events, season one. And there's a bunch of uh, docos I watched that I'll also put in the show notes. I mean, like I said, there is literally a hundred just the gist roads you can go down for this. So I've looked mm-hmm. at a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But those are the main ones. 17 Carnations goes into all the Nazi stuff a lot and mm-hmm. the Anna Pasternak book goes into a lot of detail about Wallace Simpson and how mm-hmm. Edward was a giant spoiled man baby. Okay, I think that's the one I'm going to start with. That's yeah. resonating with me. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was just the gist of Wallace Simpson and the abdication. Not so <sighs> intense. This- so much more to it than I thought and I kind of had felt sorry for him going into this because yeah. I thought all he wanted was to marry the woman that he loved and because she'd been divorced he was prohibited from doing that and I had a lot more empathy for him then than I do now. Mm. And then you have empathy for her but then you're like, oh, wait, but they were both also Nazi sympathisers so we probably shouldn't have empathy for either of them. The reason he was so entitled is because of his upbringing. Exactly. Because of this institution, which is totally unnecessary and destructive. The thing that got me is that a lot of people say, oh, you know, they didn't realise the Nazis were so bad and they were just trying to be diplomatic and, you know, a lot of people in history were photographed with Hitler before it came out that he was terrible, blah, blah, blah. But they um, had a close friendship with this guy called, um, I think, Arthur Mosley, who was married to one of the Mitford sisters who were Mm. incredibly pro-Nazi. I think they were married in, like, you know, like Goebbels' house or something, like that high up. And this Mitford wife of Mosley had a necklace that was a diamond-encrusted swastika that she wore everywhere. And they were... uh, Wallace and Edwards, two of their closest friends. So I'm like, you can't say that you just accidentally got photographed with some Nazi. Like, they were in it with the Nazis. So as much as it's a story of gender dynamics and you feel sorry for her for being sucked up in this thing with this guy, at the end you kind of go, oh, but they were both Nazis. Mm. So, I mean... So they got a lot of what they deserved, yeah. But then, like I said, the book 17 Carnations goes into detail about their link to the Nazis, but you listen to interviews with Anna Pasternak and she unequivocally denies it and says she has all the historical documents to prove that Wallace Simpson didn't really know what Nazism was about. So Mm -hmm. it's hard doing just the gist of history because history can be written by so many different people and anyway. 
Very true. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. Oh my God, I you're feel very so well welcome. educated. And the Oprah interview is coming out on the 9th of March in the US. I'm assuming mm. it will come out here pretty much ASAP after that. So it's going to mm-hmm. be all across the news. Everyone should watch it. I'm going to wait for you to give me the gist of it because I don't think I could sit through the whole thing. (laughs) Um, Okay, so follow us on Insta and all of that stuff and buy tickets to our shows, Melbourne Comedy Fest, Adelaide Fringe Fest. Come see us. um, Say hi. Come see us in person and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Love you. Listener.